Hello, and welcome back to Stern Chats, a podcast that explores the untold stories of the NYU Stern community. My name is Cameron Murphy. And I'm Mark Ryan. And today we're putting a bow on the interesting gift that has been our MBA experience. There have been both highs, like Amity Hall Socials, and lows, also Amity Hall Socials, but they say perfect is the enemy of good. Fellow MBA 2s Doris Link, Phil Curran, and Titi Venkatragavan have joined us to reflect on and share stories from their time at Stern. Welcome, everyone. Happy to have you on. Excited to be here. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam, for having us. Of course. Do we want to start off with some intros? You can choose whatever you'd like. It's a choose-your-own-adventure introduction this time, I think. Sure, I can go ahead. Um, I'm Phil Curran, uh, obviously MBA2. Um, I live basically right next door to Stern with my wife and my 60-pound golden doodle. And uh, at some point in the distant future, in 2024, I will start work in consulting. Golden doodles are a hot dog in New York. I feel like I've never seen so many golden doodles until I moved here. I think there's probably more more golden doodles than humans in Manhattan. I'm fine with it, honestly. I prefer it. I agree on the golden doodle front. Um, but my name is Doris Link. I'm also an MBA too. Um, I live in Brooklyn, which I always encourage people to move to Brooklyn. Um, and I also will be going into consulting later this year. Hi, uh, I'm TT. Uh, I have a particularly long Indian name. I'm originally from Chennai, uh, which is in the southern part of India. And surprise, surprise, like Doris and Phil, I too am an MBA too going into consulting. Real diversity of careers here. I love this for us. To kick things off, if you guys had to look back over the last two years or so and pick a favorite class, which would it be? I guess the politically correct thing to say is that there's so many to choose from, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah, this one's an easy one for me. I think it was private equity finance by Gustavo Schwed. I think he was an absolutely outstanding professor. I think there's, there's very few times that I was looking forward to class and the class was absolutely delightful and he's particularly funny, which I love. I can go next. And I don't know if this counts, but um, the DBI South Africa or like doing business in South Africa was amazing. Um, two weeks in Cape Town with about like 30 other students. We did all these site visits with different companies. It was just amazing. And I knew very little about South Africa before going in. And I felt like I got a really well-rounded experience of not only the businesses there, the people, the community, the culture. It was just, it was a true highlight, I think, of my my MBA. Okay, so I can't copy TT. Um, P Finance with, with Gus. Uh, sorry if you're listening, Professor Schwed. Um, it was an absolute blast. Uh, again, extremely, extremely taxing on my non-number brain, but um, really enjoyed that one. Uh, the other one that I um, I think is kind of a cheat code that you can take it during MBA is uh, was Work, Wisdom, and Happiness with Jonathan Haidt. That was an amazing class, um, just like actually making you think and, and bringing into focus a lot of things that I think are, you know, people talk like, oh, work-life balance and the, the spiel that they give during career presentations and whatever, but 
as far as, you know, what is actually going to make you happy in life? How can you craft a life that makes you satisfied and fulfilled and bring people into your life that do the same? Um, like never something I would have expected to take, but uh, one of my favorite classes. It's turned in all, you know, all time through uh, my whole academic career, I guess. Um, and then I can't, uh, I can't exit without a shout out, not necessarily for a favorite class, but for um, Julian Yeo. Uh, the the maestro of accounting, who not only taught a bunch of veterans uh, how to do financial accounting, which is a large task in and of itself, but uh, continued to keep a lot of us coming back for multiple other accounting classes to the point where somehow through osmosis, I feel like I kind of understand it better than a lot of people. Uh, and that's all that's all courtesy of uh, Julian Yeo. Did you get the accidental accounting specialization like I did? Yeah, 100%. The Yo specialization. All I've, I've taken zero accounting classes outside of Julian Yo's classes, and I have an accounting specialization. So really, it should be called the Yo specialization. Correct. Awesome. Well, those were all great answers. I think the next question I would love to ask is, what was different from what you expected during your MBA experience? What was not what you were imagining? I think there's like a few. I, and maybe this is just unique to Stern, but I didn't realize how student run everything is. Like we truly control what the clubs do, what the events are, who we bring to campus. We like run, not the program, but kind of the program. Um, And I think that was a little surprising to me, um, but in a good way. And I think also just like the amount of work and effort that the MBA twos put in every year to help the MBA ones, like we definitely benefited from it our year. Hopefully the MBA ones feel like they benefited from our support this year, but like we just do a lot. Um, And I think that really surprised me. Potential hot take. I don't, I would not change anything at all. Uh, But I do think I underestimated the impact of being from upstate New York uh with in-laws in long island and having all of my college friends in new york um like there's definitely a reason why people go for like the bubble mba uh where they go to a forgotten far off land like chicago or you know god forbid they go to like darden or tuck um and you just like you don't even have cell phone service and like you have to take a carriage to class but um it there's definitely if that's the experience that you were like anyone were looking for to just like not only transition careers learn you know about business and management etc and leadership uh, but also to have like a very insular communal experience which you can definitely get at stern but the the pull of other things is definitely there um if you are a you know born and bred new york stater i won't call myself a new yorker yet um but, and you have a lot of connections here. Um, there's there's a lot of competing things. So uh, just to, that was, I, I didn't expect that to be as severe. Um, so I, I probably didn't attend as many Stern events as I, uh, as I should have to be a good participator, but I attended enough. Uh, I, I think I. No, there's no such thing I, as I the spent, right amount. I spent enough time at Amity Hall to say that I uh, definitely was at some things. Uh, and there enough, you go. And enough money. 
Yeah, as someone who went to undergrad in Williamsburg, Virginia, as in colonial Williamsburg, where there are people masquerading as Thomas Jefferson just walking around on campus, I feel like I've been there, done that with the bubble, but totally agree that New York takes a master's in prioritization. This was an interesting one. So um, I think I, I hadn't uh, studied in the U.S. ever before, and I'd visited U.S. once uh, just before business school for just looking at different schools here. And I think that coming from India, usually uh, at the MBA and, the co and college, there's, there's a big emphasis on academics. And um, that's uh, pleasantly uh, surprising that that was possibly the least priority for most of us here in business school. And that was interesting. The other is that well, uh, having gone to undergrad, like I think that, and the sense that we, I had coming in is that the community as as such is a very tight community with a, as a whole sort of unit. And I think that's true. I think to some extent, like there is a sort of stern presence that we all feel, but I've actually, as an international, I've actually found that my friendships and relationships have largely been within smaller groups. And I personally don't necessarily see like a stern identity in a way that as Phil mentioned that you would see in a tuck, for instance. Uh, I'm not complaining, but that's just uh, a pleasant surprise for me. Tuck is getting dragged on this podcast. I'm so sorry to anyone from Tuck. I don't think they're listening. <laughs> so similar question. If you had the chance to do an MBA again at Stern, would you do anything differently? I think for one, I could have come in less insecure about uh myself and the fact that things wouldn't work out. I think as an international student, I think it's just overwhelming in the first month um, to sort of meet new people, different cultures, get adjusted to a new society, get a new phone bank, You're pretty much starting up a new life. And I think that was overwhelming. And it didn't help that I was insecure about not landing a job and doing consulting and banking. I think, um, I pretty much didn't do anything other than recruit in the first semester. And I would have liked to take it a little more chill if I could, um, should I do it all over again? I didn't move. Like I was already here in the New York area and it was hard enough going back to school. I can't imagine what it's like coming from a different country. And like you said, cell phone, bank accounts, like I didn't even think of you having to set that up ahead of time. So that's uh, a lot of extra stress for sure. But just so everyone knows, I will brag on TT's behalf. He landed jobs in both consulting and banking. So the insecurity, I'm not going to say it was unwarranted, but it certainly did not hurt your chances during the recruitment process. Which for anyone listening who's not familiar with how crazy consulting and banking recruiting are, that's like insane. Insane. Um, I can go next. I think I've really enjoyed my Stern experience and I think I'm I'm very involved on campus. So definitely taking advantage of a lot of um, like leadership roles and club involvement. I think I would, if I could do it all over again, I think I would just take advantage of the fact that we're in New York and like use my EDU email and ask to like get coffee chats with people who I'm interested in or industries that I'm interested in. I think recruiting happens so early on that it's easy 
once you land a job and I was lucky enough to land one in that like first semester during the height of summer consulting recruiting that I think at times it was just easy to check out on like what you wanted to do longer term. And I don't think I really started to think about it until it was a little too late. Um, I took Becoming You with Susie Welch, which highly recommend. But in that class, I was thinking like, oh, what do I really want to do? Um, and how can I figure that out? And I think doing, you know, coffee chats with industry experts and just kind of using and abusing my EDU email would have been something I'd wish I'd done. Wow, I have a double segue. I definitely agree with Doris um, that I would have, I, I think, had I not checked out as much, I would have done more networking on the long-term front just to see what's out there. But also uh, using the NY, the EDU emails, um, there are so many like cultural things. Um, you can go to Carnegie Hall, uh, you know, like Boston, or visiting Philharmonic performances for $10. And there's so many student discounts that give you access to cultural things that the second you lose that will be 10 times the price. Um, and like, obviously once you get a job, you are not short on free time. Uh, so I would have done that. Uh, and then also um, another one, another thing I uh, would do differently uh, is that I came in I guess I have to provide a little bit of background, but I came in to Stern. I got out of the Marine Corps in 2020. Um, I went into an apartment in COVID with my wife and my dog, uh, who was a puppy, who was a psychopath. Um, and I love both of them dearly, but you know, I had no social contact. I'm a very social creature and uh, was applying to a bunch of jobs, not getting anything because it was the beginning of the pandemic. And then I, Applied to business schools, got into business school, had a long time of uh, like just, you know, putts in around like a year uh, where I was a, a, on the GI Bill at Bronx Community College for some source of income. Um, and then, so when I got to Stern, it was like for recruiting, like, sort of similar to TT's point, it was extremely do or die. Uh, and I had so much other stress riding on that of like, what does my future look like? Um, what if I don't get a job? Um, and like, not so much because like I got a particular rejection or something, uh, but like mid recruiting process, like finally, I just had like a three day span where I couldn't do anything uh, and then started going to therapy. Um, and I try to be as open about this as possible because I think especially among veterans, uh, especially among veterans with imposter syndrome, like it's like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't have to go. Uh, it was like I had that stigma uh, and I just would have started going like beforehand when I like started not getting jobs uh, and, I, I, you know, having gone through life, like do well in high school, get into college, graduate college with, you know, a great GPA and then go to the Marine Corps and like, you know, do at least decently well enough to not get uh, demoted or like shifted out of a job. Um, and then all of a sudden being alone and having nothing go your way. Um, I would have started then um, as opposed to waiting until like mid recruiting when I was like, uh oh, it's a black box and I don't know how I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get a job. So I guess the takeaway is like, don't be afraid to seek some type of help or just talk to people. And 
don't pay any attention to what anyone else is doing during recruiting, how many cases they've done, how many coffee chats they've done, because the people who have done the most coffee chats, some of them will end up with the best interviews. Some of them will end up with zero interviews. And then there'll be people who come out of the woodwork, did nothing and end up with like six offers. Um, so the comparison game is just like so detrimental. Um, and if you follow the process, I do think like for the more formalized in industries, um, there's definitely a process in place that works well to get you jobs. Um, so just like stay the course, don't compare yourself to other people and, uh, you know, get help early if, if you feel like you need it. Thanks for being open about that. Ditto to the therapy recommendation. It is awesome. Also to any prospective students who are listening, just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I promise we all made it through. <laughs> I got a job and uh, I had a great experience uh, overall. Uh, that was just a small, a small downturn. I didn't want to make it super morose. It was a great time. Phil, I hear your use of segues, and I'm going to similarly use a segue here. You mentioned that it wasn't necessarily a linear path, which is what you were used to. And I think all of us have had some bumps along the way, but I think it can also cause a lot of personal growth and introspection and change within ourselves. So I'm curious as to how you think you've changed while you've been at Stern, if at all. I think I've gotten better at prioritization uh, and identifying the things that matter. Uh, it's really hard to let go of like grades. Um, but when the, when you're recruiting and the, like the choice is like, do I have dinner with my wife or do I study extra? Like it, it's, it just becomes a very, it just becomes very easy. And, and I still did well academically. I still studied. I still took interesting classes. There's grade non-disclosure. Um, like there are so many things that are so much more important than like an A versus an A minus or, a, you know, a B minus versus a B. Like it's um, similarly with the internship, like, you know, just learning to set boundaries uh, while still being a good intern, a good little intern. Um, I, I just learned to, I guess I just learned to prioritize a lot better uh, and identified what was important uh, and just like sticking to my guns with that. I think similar to TT's point earlier, I think I just got, I think I'm still working on imposter syndrome, but um, I think I've just been more confident throughout the MBA. I think coming in, you just expect, and everyone is, that all of your classmates to be brilliant and smart and, and you know, all of, all of these things you expect from an MBA. Um, and I think I was coming from advertising um, and I was, just wasn't sure like what I would bring or like add to the class or how I would work in like stats and all of those fun um, core classes. And I think I was very intimidated coming in. Um, but yeah, I think I, I mean, obviously our, our classmates, I think, and the people just generally are one of Stern's best qualities. So I think being able to kind of work through that and realize that everyone's here to help, especially during like casing for consulting, recruiting and working on my math skills, all of that stuff. And just like building my confidence throughout the MBA, I think is, is I've seen the biggest growth for sure. I'm going to uh, borrow from both Phil and Doris on this one. 
Um, I think a couple of things. I think one is, um, I think many of us uh, fit in the MBA stereotype of being ambitious type A individuals. And I think coming in and through the first year of business school, I think um, I, I saw value in myself depending on just what I achieved in the professional realm. And I think through business school, um, I've gotten better and I've gotten a better appreciation for deriving self-worth and value from uh, what I do outside of work. And I think that's been particularly helpful in my own sort of growth. Um, secondly, I think that I pretty introverted or shy as a person. And I think being in New York City, uh, meeting all of you um, has made me more open. I think I'm far less worried about what someone thinks uh, of what I'm saying or how I come across. Um, I'm not advertising for you to be a complete um, uh, imp be impolite in the whole thing, but uh, I do. I I do think that it's been nice for me to just sort of open up and loosen up a little. And the New York subway certainly helped me get there. <laughs> just because of the eccentric people that you stumble across. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, TT. I'll second that as an introvert as well. Like it's it's been great to kind of break out of that and. Uh, you know, learn how to be a little bit more social than I think I was a couple of years ago. So uh, another segue, I guess, into the social aspect of things, a lot of the MBA experience, like Phil talked about in New York, especially kind of happens outside of school. So do all of you have like a favorite thing that you did that wasn't necessarily Stern sponsored? Yeah. So I think we talked about the discounts that you get with the MBA. And so I've been able to see so many Broadway shows and I'm not a huge theater nerd. I mean, I did watch Glee in middle school, but who among us has not tuned into that monstrosity slash love fest of a, of a network show. And I have loved it. It's given me such an advantage in being able to try out so many different productions. And I'm such a sucker for them that I always tear up at the end because I'm getting to watch people live out their dreams on stage. <laughs> so that's definitely been a highlight for me. In very similar vein, I think one of my highlights over the last year was to be able to watch the kind of live music that I did. I, I, I watched about 15 to 18 concerts and spanning from music that my dad grew up on, Eric Clapton, Roger Waters, a bunch of jazz music. Um, and I, I, I think it was absolutely, I mean, it, it, it was an absolutely wonderful experience. I think that the access to world music, um, whether it's sort of Indian, Icelandic, you name it, and there's pretty much an option in New York City. Um, and the odd discount that you get, as Cam mentioned, uh, with the student, uh, student tickets, I think has been an absolutely magical experience. And I, I may be able to do one or two once work starts, but I don't think whatever, I mean, I don't think I would have been able to see the volume of shows that I managed to, and that's been a clear highlight for me. I have two. Um, I ran a half marathon in March, 
But the real highlight is that we started a like a run club with some of the other women in the program, um, really just to hold each other accountable, but also it was just fun to do it together. There was about like nine of us who all ran um, and we would just hype each other up. We weren't always running together, but you know, it was just nice to do it with um, women from Stern. And I feel like now I'm becoming a runner, which I never thought would actually happen. Um, so that has been just like a real highlight, finding communities of people who are just like so supportive. Um, and then second, which my parents still don't understand how I'm affording to do all of this, but just the travel, um, whether it's international trips, a trip upstate, road trip, whatever it might be. I, I just feel very lucky to be able to travel so much in these past two years, especially coming off of COVID where nobody was going anywhere. Um, it's just been a, a true like highlight to go so many places where like I, I mentioned South Africa earlier, like I would have never had that much time. I spent like a month in Africa. Um, so I would have never had that much time at work. Um, and it's just been a real, a real joy. I too have two. The first one was last year. Unfortunately, I couldn't go this year because they wouldn't move it to accommodate me. Um, but the, the cheesesteak chalice at Wharton, that was like, you know, I didn't, I played a little bit of pond hockey. I grew up upstate, uh, upstate New York, I guess, for those without context of being in New York. Um, but like, I was by no means good at hockey or skating and the cheesesteak chalice is a like inter mba tournament for people who do not play hockey and it's you go down on a friday you play a bunch of games against other business schools um of all people who are mostly really bad at hockey like for everywhere from like stopped at high school uh and are, are pretty decent uh to people who can barely remain upright or can't remain upright like you eat some cheesesteaks, you drink an undisclosed quantity of beer um, and water to hydrate. The the Wharton Hockey Club puts on like a bunch of cool events and like a, you know, sort of like a potluck style, like feast after the tournament. Uh, you meet a bunch of people. It's it's the most fun I've had in a weekend in, in a long time by far. Um, with And I met like, got really close with people at Stern that I just had never met before you know we had never been in the same classes across years um and we got really close as a as a team a team of people who uh with varying levels of experience in hockey and then the other one was the ski trip i didn't go the first year again because i was like i can't allow myself to have fun or book anything fun until i secure an internship um and then i went this year and i, I think it's just great there were like a lot of um there's ways to do it however you want uh there were people who you know i still don't quite understand you could do this in new york but who didn't ski at all um and just went to party there were people who did a nice mix there was every level of skiing ability um and then there like we just kind of there was great snow and like mark was in my house uh there's a lot of fun we just like woke up at six got on the first chair skied and snowboarded all day long like the best conditions i've ever experienced you know had some drinks and went to bed like you know grandpa hour like 9 10 p.m and slept a bunch and my body has never been in so much pain after a week but like 
it was so much fun. Um, and again, it's just like, you don't really just go on ski trips with 300 people uh, in normal life. Yeah, I got to second both of those trips, both highlights for me as well, especially Cheesecake Chalice the first year when we go 5-0 and and beat Wharton in their own tournament. That was a pretty good feeling. I will say, I know we've been dragging Tuck, but I have to shout them out. They do black ski, um, which I went both years. It's amazing. I just, it's incredible. They are such a small program that they pull it off. Um, and they invite like the top 20 business schools. It's incredible. So that's like my one Tuck shout out because we have been dragging them, but got to give them some love. One thing I wanted to ask about was, this is more of a fun question and it has two parts. Part one, have you found that you've deployed a lot more business jargon since coming to Stern? And then part two, if so, what is your favorite term that you've taken up since coming to business school? And I think this is especially apt considering all three of you are going into consulting. I would divide my business school career into pre-internship and post-internship. And I found that my jargon particularly took off after the internship. I think the two things that come to mind, one is that I've discovered the existence of a calendar. I still don't use it, but I've been forced to sort of get on board this calendar train with all these invites and acceptance, all of that. But the one that gets on my nerves is cadence uh, for, and I'm, I understand cadence being used a lot, but there's a cadence to everything in business school. And um, it's, yeah, I, I think that's something that I've been more mindful of using, but I will say that I've been pretty generous with its use whenever I want to sound intelligent. I'm shocked that you're just using a calendar. <laughs> That's insane. I would say, I also think there's like a pre-post internship. Um, I think I, I learned a lot of acronyms at my internship. I also didn't know there were so many ways to call a PowerPoint a PowerPoint. You can call it a deck, pages, et cetera. Um, but I think I've just used the word pivot a lot more, align a lot more. <laughs> Um, and like strategize are the three words that I just find myself using all the time. Yeah, I definitely underwent, um, I mean, I, I was pretty jargony before, but it was just different jargon, a lot of acronyms and words that I probably can't say in a corporate setting, um, without losing my job, but definitely increased my use of jargon. I would say, uh. I find, well, I increase my use of jargon. There's there's like the funny part and then there's the part that I think has actually been useful. Um, the funny part is that I say like value add, adding value, value creation in completely non-business school related settings. And then uh, definitely align. Uh, like like I, I use that one too. Um, that's crept in. Uh, but the useful thing is that um, as you can probably tell from my ramblings on this podcast, uh, I'm not the most concise. And I found myself splitting things out in conversations in the same way you might in a consulting interview, which has made me less insufferable to listen to on a daily basis because I bucket things and then they're logical and organized and you can actually follow it. Um, so that's been a perk. Uh, and I think one that I will not do away with because it does make people more inclined to spend time with me. 
I agree with that. I think there is some usefulness to this terminology. As long as we don't come out sounding like Kendall Roy from Succession, I think we're we're okay. Phil, I did notice that bucket has crept into your vocabulary as well. <laughs> don't don't forget to index on things as well. Yeah, I don't know how like they they would always say like don't use that in interviews, but it's really hard to it's really hard to come up with an alternate word for it. So yeah, that's another one. But I don't use that one outside of this context. I try to really stuff that one down. We've reflected a lot on our experiences, the highs and lows, and I would love to know what advice you would give for future MBA ones who will be coming to campus this August. I think it's kind of wrapped up in, I mean, both Titi and Doris had great points. Um, I think a lot of it has been baked in. <laughs> There you go. Baked in. There you go um, again. A lot of it has been part and partial of the conversation we've had across the podcast. But I think for for me, uh, if I were to give someone advice, it would be talk to a lot of people. Uh, get If you're not quite sure what you want to do, don't stop networking uh, like I did and uh, you know, like Doris did. Uh, and keep getting perspectives on jobs, but also just like you made it here. Um, it's probably not a fluke. Um, just trust the process. Don't compare yourself to people in a negative way. Um, if you feel good about what you're doing and you're getting good feedback, just you know, keep working hard, uh, and it will it will pan out. Maybe not in the exact way you'd imagine, but in in a way that is probably you know more congruent with you know your long term goals and success. Um, I think that would be my my last advice but again it's kind of we had a lot of good tidbits across the across the podcast yeah i'm gonna double down on the you're here for a reason um know that be confident in that you bring value to the class um and and think about what you want to do before you get here like really do reflective work on like why you're getting an mba what you want to get out of your mba what types of things you want to be involved in you can be overly involved you don't have to be in a club at all. Like, how do you want to spend the next two years? Um, and just really think about that. Because when you get to campus, uh, to TT's point, it's very overwhelming. Um, recruiting starts up. There's just a lot of things going on. So I think doing reflective work before you get to school would be extremely helpful. Um, and then my other piece of advice that I always tell people, and I know some people don't always agree with this, but I'm still going with it. <laughs> Um, I feel like there's three buckets to the MBA. Oh, I just use buckets. Um, <laughs> so it's either your social life, your schoolwork, or, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the third. Recruiting. Oh, recruiting. There we go. Um, you can only choose two. So whether recruiting, if you want to go all in on recruiting, that means you either need to sacrifice something from social life or something from your schoolwork, et cetera. Um, and I found that to be extremely relevant to my experience at CERN. Um, the first semester, you kind of have to go in on recruiting if you're doing consulting or banking or any of like the traditional paths. So then you're you're left grappling with those other two pieces on, on how you prioritize. So I think understanding that and knowing that going in would have been really helpful because I think I was trying to balance all three, um, which is difficult and hard so um if you can understand like it is a full two years there are going to be times where your social life ebbs and flows or what you're putting in on schoolwork also ebbs and flows and i think 
that's okay. Um, but yeah, finding the balance is, is helpful. I agree with both Doris and Phil. Um, I think um, to add on to what they were saying, um, I think a couple of things that come to my mind. One is that I think business school and especially for international students, I think it's going to be a lot of change that you're going to witness, especially in the first few months. Um, and I think that while it's it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely a growth opportunity to evolve and all of that. I think staying true to yourself and whether that's being introverted, extroverted, whether it's recruiting, social life, whatever it is, I think just sort of sticking to your guns and fall, trusting your instincts in terms of what you really came here for is absolutely critical in my opinion. The second, I think to touch on what Dora said that the two years go by very quickly. But on the other hand, it is two years as well. And I think that there's a lot of FOMO in business school with like, this is happening, that's happening. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Um, and I think you make your friends in due time. You find your people, you find the time to go for the social events, the job hopefully works out at the end of two years. Um, so just take your time and stay patient through it all. Um, it's easy to sort of get caught up in the whole business school um, rigmarole and get overwhelmed. So breathe, I guess, is my advice. Yeah, it's all such great advice. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, I know this last week or so before graduation has been a bit bittersweet as we say goodbye to Stern, but I'm sure we're excited to start paying back those student loans, funding all those trips over the past couple of years. <laughs> But uh, it's been great looking back on the on the last few years with uh, all of you and and reflecting on our time together at Stern. So thanks, Doris, TT, and Phil for coming on the show to wrap up our MBA. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, this is so fun. Happy to be here. Yeah, it was a great start to the morning. Mm -hmm.